saw. Yeah, it was while we were doing the podcast. Yeah. It's a Photoshop or whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. What'd you do in school today? School stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. So that thing you were talking about in the truck. Do you want me to ask my questions first? This is this podcast is going to be me asking you questions, and it's going to touch on some of the same subject. Okay. So I want you to get it in as deep into it. I guess we should say, welcome to the Wilderness Law Podcast. This is Lane and Tristan, and we're going to talk about the kill. And uh, I was been seeing a lot, uh, you know, where people talk about using the word harvest instead of the word kill, or and it, some people think that that some hunters believe that that's like admitting guilt, uh, and some proponents of using the word harvest. Um, would say, might say, do say, uh, that harvest is a more all-encompassing term since you're not just killing them. If you're just killing them, you're not part of our team, right? If you're just killing animals to kill animals. If you're killing them to eat, you're harvesting them, right? Now, you're not going to say harvesting a coyote, generally. You can say kill a coyote because... You're not going to eat it. You might if you want to try coyote. You're accurate, but that's a fringe. Yeah, I'm saying less than 1% of 1% of hunters would ever even, would ever, or have ever, or would ever eat coyote. Just because you would doesn't mean a whole lot of other guys would, right? Right. Okay. So, I threw together a list of questions to ask you now that you are, because you're not just a hunter, you're a killer harvester. You've done a decent amount of it for a young girl. <laughs> I'm a goofball boy. Alright, so, question number one, little Tristan. You are, uh, well, let's give some background, because I don't know if we ever have. You're 11 years old. You're a (laughs) boy-ish. You live in Central Texas in a small town. Uh, You're, let's see, on your mother's side, you got a lot of, you know, country folks, but uh, Democrats, I think it's safe to say, long tradition of uh Texas liberals and then on my side it's more like uh not that <laughs> I guess on my dad's side there's a lot of democrats but it's those are I guess they're really more that's my grandparents and they're more dixiecrats which are not at all what democrats are today anyways but Mostly it's libertarians and Republicans. And and I'm just saying that's not 
it's kind of a lazy shorthand and an inaccurate shorthand, but you know, self-sufficient country folks who know how to hunt and fish and shoot and all that fun stuff. So you were lucky enough to learn from my stepdad how to do a lot of the stuff who's who I learned how to do a lot of this stuff from. Anyway, so that's kind of your background as a little hunter. And you've been hunting since you were how old? Do you remember? No. Well, let's see. You were playing Little League. I want to say you're 11 now. You were 7 or 8 when we went on that first turkey hunt. And I didn't have a weapon, I just watched. Right, yeah. And we didn't get any, none of us got anything. Yeah. Uh, well, you did kill your first animal to eat on that hunt, though. Because after we got t- done turkey hunting, what did we do? Uh-huh. What did we, we went turkey hunting twice. What did we do after we went turkey hunting? Because we just sat under the tree in the morning, and then when it got to the heat of the day, what did we do? We would. Oh, yeah, we would fish. For? Catfish. There you go. What kind of catfish? You remember? Channel. There you go. And you got one and I got one that day. Anyway. So I kind of answered the first question, but I want to... If someone was to come up on the street and ask you, what was the first animal that you killed it with your own hands? What would you answer? You probably would not answer catfish. You probably would not think of a catfish. A dove, I think. Mm -mm. Did you kill a dove? Yeah. Oh, like finishing one off? No, when we were at the house, remember? You killed a lot of stuff before that dove. I know. At that same house. I guess a rabbit. That was my thinking. I don't, I didn't know if you'd ever killed anything else besides before that rabbit. I mean, yeah, I finished off doves, but that was really... Well, I mean, you're in it in life. The dove, when you do that, just because somebody else knocked it out of the sky, you're the one that I've seen you do pop a couple of them, the finishing move to end the suffering. Um, So, do you remember, so let's talk about your rabbit, your first rabbit. Well, let's talk about the dove. What did you think the first time you ended the life of a dove? How did it affect you? I felt sad. Not really well, Yeah, I was sad. I felt guilt because I'd taken something's life. And it, it, like, this is weird to say, but it's all kind of like, yeah, I felt happy when I did it. Yeah? Happy and sad at the same time. No, let's talk... Okay, the sad is good. What? Well, let's talk about the happy. Uh, you want to expand on that a little bit? 
Is there a better word than just happy? Because I know I I know what you're talking about. Excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, do you remember the first animal that you watched die? I I think it was your catfish. Because I remember Opie doing your catfish first. I remember Yeah. Him. Okay, now playing it. You're talk you never cr- now okay. So let's talk about your rabbit. Okay. First one you killed was where? Not the house, right? Yep. In the driveway. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Sad and Excitement, kind of a, the same feeling as the dove, but a little bit more powerful. Because I feel like with the dove, I was putting putting it out of its misery. Mm-hmm. With the rabbit, I was just like not helping it, just ending its life. Yeah. So the guilt was stronger. The yeah negative I guess parts of the emotions yeah <clears throat> now okay and the happiness was a I little guess bit this stronger. is a good place in either. I'm not I'm I've been trying to think how to word this question probably my whole life but especially in the last you know 20 hours or whatever since I decided this is what this po- podcast was going to be about Sad, regret, guilt, happy, excitement. Do you think these are adequate enough to describe the emotion that happens when you kill something? No. I agree. It's more. You get a rush of something you've never felt. And right. It's like... I am... Until you kill something, you never, like, if non-hunters are listening to this and you never kill something, you won't understand the feeling. It's like. <laughs> yeah, like, if we had a bigger following, uh, you know, we're still a very young brand podcast, whatever you want to call it. And uh, if we had a bigger font, I'm going to throw this at you. And, of course, anybody that happens across this podcast in the future, and this might be. Something that we could work on. But, yeah. What would you think about inventing a word to describe what that means? Or what it feels like when you kill an animal. When you take an animal's life. Because I don't think the word exists. And that would be like researching to see if the word does exist. And if we don't find one, invent a word. That's kind of a silly thing, and I do mean it as kind of a silly thing, but my point... You're really, ex- like, ex- like... Like... You're like... You're like... God, I 
just can't think of a word for it. I know. What were you going to say in the car? I was going to say that when we were at Chaparral, there were these does that came down. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to kill them because, like... I just, like, hadn't killed anything, and I was scared, really, and... Well, you hadn't killed anything that big. You yeah. killed fish and rabbits. And then they saw us, and they ran away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Skip ahead a couple of months to the North Texas hunt. I killed something, and now that I feel like... I know what I'm doing. If I could go back and re-grab that moment. With the does? With the does, I think I would be able to do it. Yeah? But. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't even expect them to touch on that. I'm glad you brought that up. Very interesting. Huh. Uh, So, do you... So it's just, it's a confidence, confidence that comes with experience, you I think, guess. mostly. Um, keep, can you run, grab me a coffee out of the fridge? Just make it real quick. I'll probably cut this chunk out. I just forgot to grab one. So while he's gone, I am extremely excited about what he had to say. That's funny, right? He's still recording. Oh, that's an egg. Because he's wearing his mic. <laughs> that's an egg. Oh, a goofball. One, recording. two. Here he comes back. What? Did you hear all that? Yeah. That's an egg. One, two. I'm glad to know you can count to two. I'm going to drink this caveman coffee now, but when we leave here on the way to eat, I'm going to get a bulletproof coffee because I'm going to need it tonight. What's tonight? Staying up really late. What are we doing staying up really late? I didn't say you were staying up really late. Why are you staying up really late? I don't really want to talk about it. Okay. Um... Alright, so yeah, I do, I'm impressed that you had that thought, that's pretty cool that you made that connection. Okay, when I shot that doe, that was your first big game you saw die, Uh, what was, can you describe your emotional reaction there and how it was... Similar and how it was different to when you took your own animal. I don't know if it's a, the same rush that you get. It and it's not the same. Like you, the weird, like I don't know what to call it anymore. I don't want to call it a rush because well, it's rush, not a rush. no rush. It's definitely a rush because rush doesn't have to be positive. 
Rush can Rush is a pretty good descriptor of what happens. It's just a little generic. Yeah, yeah no, it's rush. It's a rush. It's a rush of a ton of emotions. So yeah, no, I remember how excited you were when I, that dough went down. I think that big old grin. I still got a picture somewhere. Big old grin on your face. Uh, I still think that um the emotions we know of aren't all the emotions because you know the ones we have like names for yeah yeah i agree because i mean like that's pretty deep for an 11 year old i mean like because like i'm guessing people who like come up with these names for and discover these have never gone and killed an animal and they don't know so there's a guy that I need to read, and you need to read too, but I'm not, you may be bored at your, I don't know, you read some pretty cool nonfiction stuff. A guy named Aldo Leopold, yeah. who I know about, and I've, I have his book sitting on my nightstand and just hadn't got to it yet. But he wrote a book that's one of the documents that's kind of the basis for the modern, uh, Winter. well, the modern style of North American, the North American model of conservation. It's called the Sand County. Oh, I'm gonna lie to you if I try. I thought you were talking Sand, about that. Sand County Almanac, I think, and it was. I think he was specifically talking about uh, grouse habitat or something like that. And, uh, anyway, he was a wildlife hunter, kind of like guys we like, like Rennell and stuff, but in the 30s when wildlife was almost non-existent on the North American continent, right? Yeah. And he did a lot of hunting, fishing, walking through the woods and writing about it and writing about how it was all disappearing and inspired a lot of people to say hey we ought to do something about this and that's a big part of why we have you know an abundance of game right now mostly um anyway Internet's going slow. I got all my questions on my email account. Okay. So which of the deaths, animal deaths, that you either were a witness to, either as a standby witness or as the trigger man, affected you the most? This is, may, may surprise you, but you're dull. Really? Why? Because before that, when you woke me up early in the morning to go get ready for hunting and stuff, yeah, I never really wanted to do it. Right, because you're lazy and yeah, a kid, and it got boring at points. Right. And but after that, I felt like it all got a lot more exciting and interesting and yeah. 
looking for stuff and trying to figure out what it is. And mm-hmm. One well, made it a lot less boring. Yeah. What do you think about your ability, your build, your skill set as a hunter? Do you think you're doing pretty good at learning and learning and growing? Learning, yes. Growing, yeah. yes. But I still have a lot to learn. A lot no, to learn. That's exactly. The more you learn, the more you learn that you got more to learn, right? Right. That's a good part of. That's what makes hunting fun to me, is you never know it all. That doesn't matter. If you lived a million years, you'd never know it all. <clears throat> you, you only have two cavemen left. Yeah, I'll have to run over to... Oh, uh, uh, damn, what's it called? I'm blanking on it. Something on NutriShop Austin. Okay. Okay, here we go. What do you think about people who say that we hunters kill animals to make ourselves feel manly? It's not true. Because when you get that rush, it's like a rush that makes you feel like... like It makes you feel manly, but like not manly at the same time because you like feel really... like. The sad part of that emotion, mm-hmm. and when you feel sad, you don't normally feel manly too. There's like when I killed like the hog. Do you feel like you're more powerful than the animal? Like, like just because you killed a deer, do you feel more powerful than deer? That you're better than deer? No. No. no same here. Alright, what were you saying about the hog? Um. It was a big old hog. You could have <laughs> slept inside that hog. I think you could have Luke Skywalkered that hog. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I, one thing I thought was funny about Revenant. Is he Luke Skywalker. I think it's cool that Hugh Glass was a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what about the hog? I wonder if he actually did that. I don't, I, it's entirely possible, like, people in history have certainly done that to survive. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where uh, Lawrence Kasdan or George Lucas or whoever got the idea for Empire Strikes Back, is they heard about it happening in real life. Anyway, what were you saying about the hog before I interrupted <laughs> like, you? when I killed the hog... Did I, did we stray too far away on our tangents and your brain is full of dumb? Your brain, brain's probably wasted after a day of ignoring your teachers. I don't ignore them. You'd pay more attention if they were hot. I only pay attention to like one teacher. Is it a cute one? No. Yeah. Miss Linger. <laughs> She's going to listen to this podcast and get her feelings hurt. Just won't tell her about it. I will. You don't even know what you Yes, I do. I wrote it down on the first day of school. I got it in my phone. Puto. <laughs> All right. Um, I may remember later. Oh, 
Oh, I remember now. So, well, hold on. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, the hog thing? Go. Yeah. Be down. When you kill, like, something, that emotion that we've been talking about mm -hmm. comes in stages, I feel. Like, first you're happy that you, because when you pull the trigger and the animal runs away or falls down, you're excited and ecstatic and stuff like that. But after a little while, when you get near it, you, and like look into it's like, this is going to sound weird and like one of, in one of those movie things, but when you look into an animal you've killed, eyes even though if they're blank and staring that away you still feel sad yeah you're right because i mean it talks about that in brian's winter and hmm. he talks about not liking when he found a dead doe yeah he talked about how he yeah, put. I still gotta read. How he put the head. He didn't want to waste the head, but he didn't like it because he felt like it was watching him, and so he put it off in a tree. Oh, interesting. He found the dead doe. Wolves had killed it. Oh, okay. So yeah, like they did they eat the butt? Was that what it said in the book? Because of course we know that's what usually happens, right? Eat the ass and leave everything else. The back strap and all that makes no sense to me. <laughs> Alright, so you kind of answered my next question without me actually going into it. Okay, if someone were to come up to you on the street, another street question, or a friend, or whatever, and say you stupid hunters you're evil and you just kill animals to feel manly right yeah what would your response to that person be is this did you already tell me this question or is no 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 it's a different version of the same question because the other one i was just saying what would you say if something but like, if you were on a one-to-one, -one, like, with your best friend at school, let's say you had a you had that friend that was vegan or whatever for a minute. Yeah. He's still <clears throat> vegan. I don't, yeah, that's child abuse. Um, him and his, you and him were having a discussion, and he said you're, and he was just in a mood or whatever, but he wanted to, but he, this is, I don't know if this is what he believes. Let's make play pretend that this is what he believes. He said, you're evil. Hunting is evil. We shouldn't kill animals. What would be your counter-argument? Well, I would say, if you've, just to make him even more mad, if you've ever eaten a steak, you would know. Because, like, when you eat, like, the meat you killed, mm -hmm. you feel better than when you ate, like, a carrot that somebody else farmed. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, you feel like, 
physically and emotionally better. Like, mm-hmm. do you think you'd get the same feeling though if so? Like eating fried rabbit that you killed, okay, or eating a carrot that you grew in your garden. Do you think you'd get the same feeling? No. Why? Maybe. But I think with the meat... Do you think you could live off the carrot from your garden? No. Do you think you'd need meat also? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, the cave, like, Leanderthals, they didn't survive off... There were no vegetarian Leanderthals. Right. I promise you you're right you want to hear so when they survived we're still around yeah yeah so well we're not descended from neanderthals we're not (laughs) no there was and i'm going to tell you the wrong name but uh they i think figured out a while ago that human modern humans so there was neanderthals and there was another type of humanoid they were both from the same original group or whatever, but they evolved in separate directions, and Neanderthals died off, and whatever the other one was is what became us. Well, whatever I think the is other the one, current popular theory. What, whatever the other one was, I bet there was no vegetarian ones. Whatever I would agree were. with you. Um, so, one of my favorite stories, or um, this is something I heard... Can I tell you? When I was a kid, wait, let me finish this thing. It's on, it's speaking to what you're saying. Um, so, what is it, anthropologist? Whoever it is that digs up cavemen and looks at them, um, studies them, uh, they, uh, the men especially, but some of the women too, generally speaking, almost every one of them they found from that period in humanity's history had injury uh like their skeleton their remains had injury evidence or evidence of injuries that were similar to injury evidence of modern day rough stock rodeo riders like bull bull riders and stuff like that so that means to the best of our knowledge they were finding big game animals and jumping on their back before they had weapons to projectile weapons to kill them with so they would make a knife and pounce like a cat you know you know so they would a human with you know no claws no sharp teeth would watch a cat a wild cat how it it kills animals and it would try to emulate that and that's how they ate that's how they got protein because it's not like they were farming broccoli right i bet it would be a lot easier than trying to like charge at it with a whole bunch of guys like well you you know go on like an elephant hunt or like it would be if like that's one of my things if they ever invented a time machine in my lifetime one of the things i'd like to do is go study how cavemen hunted because i wonder if like one guy would you know sit up in a tree with a knife while 
you know, a handful of the others would herd game animals towards him. You know? Kind of like what they were talking about in that... Well, flushing. One. They call that flushing. Mm-hmm. The Blouch podcast. Oh, Blouch. Yep, yep. Uh, why do you hunt? My last question was, why do you hunt? If you want to answer that, I'd love to hear your answer. But we've kind of spoken around it this whole time. Why do I hunt? i got to figure something out with this stupid... Mike, all right, you keep talking. I can't answer that question. Why not? Um. I hunt because of a lot of things. Like, a lot more than... I think I should list. Because. Well, we have 30 minutes recorded, which in theory means we have 30 minutes left. So get to listening, boy. I hunt because of you. I hunt because of Opie. I hunt because of Mom. I hunt because of the freezer. Of the, of the what? Freezer. Because of the empty freezer that yep. needs to get filled? Yeah, yes sir. I hunt because of the... I hunt because meat's good. I hunt because it's fun. Mm-hmm. I hunt because... I like the rush. I... I hunt because... Gardening's boring. I hunt because. <laughs> well, and we are pretty terrible at gardening, apparently. We found out this year. And, I mean. That's our first year, though. That's all the ones I think I should list right now. Because there's, like, lots and lots and lots. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are the main important ones. Hmm. Interesting. Alright, we are going to take a break and be right back. We all, we all, we all, we all, we Okay. Does that I sound good? No. Okay, so we are back. Yes. The kill. So I want to talk about what goes through your brain now that you've pulled the trigger on a handful of animals right before you pull the trigger is this the right thing to do yeah yeah is the answer always yes almost always well let's no let's go back to south texas okay what made you not pull the trigger on them does? I guess it was just like a psychological thing, right? Psychological? 
psychological psychological thing um because like i felt like that was like our second third was that our first day or was that the second day the second day first day we didn't see jack we'd heard coyotes saw eight million cottontails that we weren't allowed to kill we could have had so many carnitas I know. Oh, I wish... I, we need to see if we can find some cottontails in the yard. But how are we going to do... Oh, off topic. We can mm. talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I'm just thinking. I feel like that... I don't feel, personally, I don't, I didn't feel like, this is going to sound weird, but. That's fine. We earned them. Hmm? I don't feel like we kind of, I kind of don't feel like we earned them. Why? Because, like, we hadn't been, like, doing anything that day. We'd just been sitting and shaking and being cold and. We put down bait. Yeah, but not like we were walking around and came across them, I feel like. So, interesting. So if we, well, let me ask you this. Uh, You know what, that's... No, that's, that's you're going down the right road. You're not I don't think you're articulating. Don't don't back out of it. Don't chicken out. I don't think I think you're on the right road. You're just not articulating it 100% the way you excuse me, the way you want to. What I mean is Well, let's do a couple of thought exercises to kind of see if we can get to the right place, right? Because I don't want to just say it for you. I want to try to, and I'm not sure I would be accurate if I did say it for you. So what if that had been on our land? And I had the gun in my hand? Yeah. And it was all the same circumstances? Mm Mm-hmm. And we'd been hunting there all year. We built that blind. We scouted. We put a. We had a feeder there. I feel like I would feel. That would you'd consider that earning it, right? Yeah. Okay. So what if we were on the same place, state land, blind that we hadn't seen until like five hours before? Well, twenty-four hours before that. Uh, corn we just threw out that morning, but it was low fenced. Cause that's uh, I don't. Uh, you know what? That was one of the big fir- circumstances, because I didn't really want to kill something in high fence because I right. felt like we always talk all this trash about. So would high- you have felt better if it had been low fence? Would you have felt like we earned it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I get that. Uh, and it's funny, you know, it's fun. I don't want to be talking trash about Texas Parks and Wildlife. I mean, I'm sure there's there's plenty of stuff I could talk trash about Texas Parks and Wildlife on, but uh, I'm sure if I looked into it, I can't think of anything right now. They're awesome. The only thing I can think of probably actually wasn't their fault. The red snapper season being one day. That's probably not even them. That's probably some guy that signs checks for a living. You know, suit wearing dipshit. And a granite It's probably actually like... In Austin. Like a... Like commercial fisher guys. Uh, commercial fisher guys... Well, it was a lobby. Was a big part of that, actually. Yeah, uh, but they didn't write the law. Well... I, I know they didn't ra- write the law, but... It's only for, like, only, like, if we wanted to fish, we could only fish that one day. Yeah. But they could probably fish it all year. It's something like that, yeah. Well, then, yeah, they don't want, like, guys like us out there every day just fishing because that would, and we getting all their fish because they, they want to, they, yeah, that's they want to be the main pipeline for red snapper meat, basically, yeah. as the, the way I've heard it put. I'm not going to say it. But anyway. Until, oh. So as far as Texas Parks and Wildlife practices, I understand what they're doing with Chaparral. Right? So Chaparral, it isn't a high fence place like you and me think of high fence places. Chaparral is high fence because it's supposed to be like a laboratory. Like they study the natural systems in a smaller confined area. <clears throat> to inform decisions on laws and uh, regs that, you know, when they come up for change or whatever like that, right? Do you think they have any sections in there that they wouldn't, like, tell people about that in the area they actually put, like, chronic wasting disease? Like they would introduce it into the population? I don't think anybody's introducing chronic wasting disease. Just to see, and then like... No, I, I think when it shows up, they try to study those animals. But no, I don't think anybody's introducing it because they don't know what animals carry it. You know, because hogs and stuff like that can get in and out of high fence, no problem. And they don't know if that hogs, hogs can carry it. Yeah, hog might, you know, a hog might eat a CWD deer inside confinement and take it outside. I don't, and maybe they know this and uh, there's been extensive studies done and they know exactly what they're doing and maybe they would and maybe I'm 100% wrong. But as far as I know from the reading I've done, they would not do that. It would be too dangerous. To the population? To the wild population of deer. Right? Right. And, you know, I mean, and technically when we were there, uh, some illegal immigrants cut the fence. So a deer could have got out there, and if it was a deer carrying CWD, boom, all of a sudden it's in the wild, right? No, as far as I know, uh, the only CWD in Texas or in anywhere is naturally occurring. It's in confined spaces, but it has to do with CWD shows up in deer that are confined. It doesn't seem to show up in wild deer. Do you think, like, all deer have CWD, but only, like, in certain, like, 
gene streams, it actually activates. Oh, like X-Man? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. That's possible. I'm not going to pretend. I know. I honestly haven't read that much on it. Uh, we should, once we get confident enough with our podcast to start interviewing people, we need to get a biologist who can tell us all that cool stuff. I want to get the biologist from North Texas. Because yeah, right? He was cool. He he was so nice and driving us around in his... Well, he wasn't, that guy wasn't a biologist. He was a ranger. The biologist was the other dude that was at the meeting. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe we were the only ones there. I can't believe we were the only We should have sat in blind, too. I still I regret saying I thought of it at the time, but I didn't like how some of those trees were set up. Yeah, whatever. But what, the, why the, would you want to sit in blind two? Blind two had more traffic. Deer traffic. Deer well, sign around the. I'm still happy and, we didn't. I'm yeah, yeah. Happy. No, it was a fun hunt. It was. I had a that lot was of fun on that probably hunt. the most fun hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that buck. That was a beautiful buck. I wish we could have got that buck. Oh man. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have like second guessed myself. I would like. If I, I don't know if I should say that because hmm. I hadn't killed that hog yet, and I'm not like. If I, if I hadn't oh, killed right. the hog, interesting, and yeah. didn't get to um kill that buck, and then next year like I was able to actually go back and kill that buck. Yeah, we're definitely putting in for that place next year. I don't know if we'll get drawn though. Yeah. That we don't. We're not gonna have preference point next year. We spent them all this year. Mm. Um. Okay. But so. next, the year after that year, we have preference points again. Yes. Just yeah. all the preference points. Unless we list. win something next year. Uh, we got to apply for all the ones we want preference points for. So. All right. So we kind of half-assedly talked about what goes through your mind and heart before you pull the trigger. And we talked before that about what happens right the instant after you pull the trigger and when you walk up on the animal. Uh, I want you to tell me what happens when you come up, not emotionally. I mean, you can speak about to emotions if something occurs to you. But what I'm talking about is... Let's talk, just give me a step-by-step instructable on what happens when you come up on a downed animal. It's really like after you get the adrenaline that this happens. It's really, it's like you feel sad, but you're also having this like, Tiny, like, with me, I had these, like, inside my head, I had these tiny bursts of, like, pure joy. And then on the, and then those stopped, and I had the, like, sadness, and then I had, like... What about while you're cutting them open? Then it's just pretty much happiness and joy and... And just thinking kind of about work. And work and thinking about what it'll taste like. 
Yeah. So this year, if you get a rabbit, do you think you can clean it by yourself? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah? Uh, Robert taught me how. Uh, what? Rob, uh, from Lafayette's place. Oh, okay. He yeah. taught me how. Well, I taught you how, too. Well, yeah, but he, like... Ungrateful little prick. <laughs> he really, like, he... Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he had a different me, way. He made me do it, well, and just said, hey, you do this, this, yeah. and then... Well, how did you do it with him? Because I know he did it different than I do it. So, you know the part where it's, like, there's, like, the main, like, leg bone, and then there's that little bone you have right there? You hang him in a tree, and then you just cut that, and... After a couple of rabbits, you'll you just keep those nails in there. You put nails in them, in like that part, and then you can cut it after a little bit. He had already had them there. Was he trying to keep the hide? No. See, that's yeah. See, I'm not gonna nail them. You know, uh, like for my money, I just got them in the field. Takes about two seconds, and you can skin them. Hold on. I don't know. Mike was. I feel like a hum in my mic. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's being recorded though, which sucks. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> um. I guess we need to. Eh, I need to get. I have a whole design set up for the next iteration of what we're doing on uh, gear for the podcast. Because i got to do that for, before we can do interviews. Um, but yeah, no, like the way I do a rabbit is just cut a little notch on the back of its neck. Just big enough for you to fit your finger in. And, it's, and the skin peels away like aluminum foil. Yeah, that's what we did. You just cut it like pretty much like down here and then just went. Yeah. And it just opened up like a present. Yeah. Wrapping paper. So, and then the guts. I saw a cool video. I want to try it, maybe. Uh, of a guy. I don't know if he did something to the anus before, but he basically took a rabbit, a cottontail, and started squeezing, like, at the brisket, and yeah. and then went towards the butt, like it was a, a tube of toothpaste. And then, all and like, it, all the guts just exploded out <laughs> into a pile. If I could get that to work, then I think you and me would be using them like water guns, like trying to squirt entrails at each other. I just thought of something. Get him pr- compressed air, put it in its mouth, and go, boom, and everything just... <laughs> I've seen those, uh... Yeah, we're getting silly. But I've seen those, uh... Guys that do compressed air to skin deer. <laughs> Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I would try. I would try the golf ball thing. Uh, you know, that thing where you tie it to a truck. I'm just afraid it would just, I'd do it wrong and it would destroy meat that I wanted to save. And we need to find a place to hunt deer, dude. Because a lease or whatever. Because I want to try neck meat. It's like we've never kept the neck meat. I tried to do it on that dough, but I honestly, I was doing it by myself. And by that point, 
I had already gotten all the quarters and everything, and by the time I got to the neck, I was just exhausted. You did both deers by yourself, right? Uh, the buck, the... You had Jason's help, right? I don't remember. Was Jason... Yeah, you yeah, did it. Jason was. I know. I know. I did it. I don't think Jason was there though. Uh, I don't remember if he'd already moved or what, but his nephews uh, helped me. What? Because I remember helping them clean. Her. Jason's deer. Yeah. yeah, his number two deer. Didn't they use it with a? Didn't they use a chainsaw on that thing? No, they used a hacksaw. Or whatever for the spine, which I don't. I remember do. watching the video and the guy had a chainsaw. What? I haven't <laughs> seen that video. Yeah. Yeah, he like uses the chainsaw to like, he grabs it and and it like cuts part of the spine, but it's still like connected. Yeah. And all it instead of it being like kind of like moving this, around so much, you're messing with. Instead of it, the deer being like this, the deer yeah. kind of goes like. Bleh. Oh, interesting. Huh. And he said it's... Oh, that's another thing. I want to try it whenever... If, hopefully we get some fish. I want to try that... Damn it. I can't remember what it's called. That thing where you shove the wire up the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. I want to try that. And then he said you just cut it behind the neck. The, like, the hide and grab it and... Shh, and it's easier to get off because of the, the deer being bleh instead of... Mm, interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen that video. I don't know that I want to. Why? I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah. Uh, seems like a, there's a scene in Scarface where they do that. Anyway. Really? Yeah, not to a deer. To a, a Cuban person. That, uh, anyway. Did we? I don't even know if I don't. At this point, I don't know if we got off track or if this is the track we were on. I I don't know what we were talking about. I don't know. It I'm, was about cleaning a deer. Cleaning a deer. Or cleaning yeah. the hog. I do want to try the golf ball thing. Yeah, cleaning that hog. That was the first hog I ever cleaned. Was yours? And I wanted to keep the quarters off it. I was just too damn tired. Middle of the it's night. Like nine o'clock when we got done. Nine o'clock. <sighs> yeah, well, and it was after trying to lug that 200-pound hog around and stuff, and we were the only ones there, and you weren't much help. You tried, but you were just, you know, he was tough. Like, you couldn't really do a whole lot. Um, I wonder if, like, like cowboys ever, like, roped hogs. Oh, I'm sure somebody's tried it. So, okay, let's... So that is the kill. That's this episode of the podcast. Let's come back and kick off out of that subject for maybe for the rest of the podcast. We only have a few minutes left. Really. How long? Uh, like ten minutes left. Mm. Um, less than that, I guess. But uh, I mean, it's not like we run a real tight ship on time. I just wanted to just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, so wilderness law. This website we've started. What do you have? Have you thought about it? Uh, like anything you might like to do with it later on? Like um, if you you were to write a blog, what you might like to write about? Have you learned how to write an essay yet? I didn't think you had. Don't give me the stupid deer in the headlights look. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure that comes later, but... Uh, I know how to write a narrative. Yeah, you could do that if you want. I mean, you write whatever you want to write. And I know how to write, like, like a story where it's, like, like about something. Like, I've written stories about, like, trips we've done. Mm-hmm. Like, I talked yeah, about the Colorado trip. Yeah, I mean, that's a narrative. Just because it's not fiction doesn't make it not a narrative. I know, but it wasn't like, it was like, oh, it wasn't like a, it was more of a descriptive, not like, I remember the time when we went to Colorado and we did blah, 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 and blah, 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 and I was there and it was amazing. It was more of a, how we did it and how to do these things Mm -hmm. in Colorado and where to go. It was kind of like one of those, like, plan pan flips you get to go like when you walk into an airport about different like states and stuff right and it's like hey you want to go do some fun stuff in arizona go to i don't know what to do fun in arizona okay scratch that colorado the only thing i know about in arizona is drugs you can hunt there's things to hunt it's just almost impossible to get drawn Uh, it's like I was telling, I was texting back and forth with uh, Hilton earlier, because uh, he's having marital issues, and I felt like getting in on the drama, I guess. But then we just started goofing around, like always. Uh, I was telling him he needs to go find a job with an elk guide, because I guarantee you it's good money in Arizona, because the guys that win that are the guys that got the money to pay for a guide, because it's expensive, and you got to put in for a whole lot of years, so you, you know, it's just, uh... He could be the guy that lugs all the stuff up. Yeah, because I'm saying... He could be their Sherpa. An elk, an elk tag in Arizona is probably, and, and this is, I'm not going to pretend like I am an expert on this, this is just my perception with the information I have. From podcasts and TV shows and magazines, an Arizona elk tag seems to me like it's probably... You need to move your mic listening to you breathe again. Yeah. Uh, It's probably the second most coveted hunting tag in the the West. Uh, From what I'm seeing is uh, bighorn sheep. And, you know, like Missouri, uh, Missouri Breaks or something like that. Well, of course, the one in Missouri Breaks, that's like the big dog. But I guess gen- in general, bighorn sheep in the West. But, yeah, I was telling you, so there's just, if you're a hunting guide in Arizona, I'm saying there's money in it. <laughs> like, do you think you can make a million dollars in a year? I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend like I've looked at their books or anything. No, I don't. I'm almost positive that that's not the case. You'd have to have a huge guide organization where you had tens of guides going all the time, and you'd probably have to be the, the company that does, you know, runs 90% of the hunts that happen guided in Arizona, mm-hmm. which is you're not going to get 90% of the market share. Um, unless you pay off a politician to revoke the other guy's license or something like that. 
But yeah, like Jay Scott. You do that? I mean, it's illegal, but I'm sure it's happened. Uh, you know, in uh, New Mexico, you know, they do the same draw tag draw system, Western style tag draw system for elk or whatever. But they have, and they do like everybody else. So there's a certain percentage. The largest percentage is for uh, residents. And then they have a smaller percentage for non-residents. That's what all the western states do, right? So it's like a lower probability for non-residents to win the tax. But they divide non-residents. So so let, I don't. I'm gonna lie to you if I try to remember the exact numbers. So let's say it's 75% of the tags are for residents, 25% are for non-residents. Of that 25%. Like seventy-five percent of it is for guided non-residents, and twenty-five percent of that is for DIY hunters. So it's like you have a better chance if you're a non-resident, if you're you know from not from New Mexico, and you want to hunt in New Mexico, you have a better chance of drawing a tag if you hire a guide and put you have to put their license number and stuff on that your application so you have to have them lined up before you even apply for the tag right so it's like they that's a state law that they that you're gonna have a better chance so you know the guide companies guide services did that on like they lobbied to have that law put in because that gets them more business right so that's interesting, but I don't think that's the case. There now there are parts of like Alaska where to hunt in certain units you have to have a guide, but a lot of that has to do more with uh native like indigenous peoples, like Inuits or whatever, like uh native American tribes. Yeah. Um I guess like on I don't that one if, island where the muskox live. Native American. Yeah, exactly. Um, alright, so, wait, you never answered my question. Of what? What would you like to write about for... Oh, I would like to law. write about my, like, dream elk hunt. Would that be a good one? Yeah, why not? We should each do one, like, I do one, you do one, and then we can have a podcast on that. Well, I don't know if I... Well, okay. Maybe we will. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Almost dropped it. I hope I haven't been messing with the mic too much with these cards I've been playing with. Alright, I think that's good for... I mean, we definitely hit our time. And, uh, I think we've covered... I don't know if we've covered everything or if we just reached my mental limit for today. Uh, but we've covered a lot about the kill. Now let's go play Batman, Batman. Batman, Batman. Tristan today finally figured, I don't know if it, how many people grew up playing Batman, Batman. Um, as a kind of a locker room type of game. Yeah, that buzz is definitely in the recording. I don't know what that is. Hopefully I can filter that out. I really think can't. testing one two. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, all right, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Bye.
I'm tired. I have a headache. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Wilderness Law Podcast uh, Ooh, with Lane cool. and little Tristarella. Beautiful. <laughs> and hope to talk to y'all next time. Uh, please visit wildernesslaw.us. Um, and hopefully we'll have more and more stuff. Do you have a Gmail page you want to plug? Yeah, it's called... I'm not going to say it because it's my school Gmail. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't do that. No, if you wanted to set up a website on your own, there's a lot of like free little goofball ones or whatever. Um, I don't... Uh, Adam would have to tell you about them. I don't pay attention on them. Alright, thank you for listening. Uh, this is Lane and Tristan with Wilderness Law. Talk to you next time.